Ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Episode 69 of the ABJ podcast with my guest, H.C. Loke. Uh, guys, I know we talked about it last episode, but this will be the last uh, live podcast uh, for a little bit. I have to take some time away, figure some things out, step away, and uh, start start doing a little bit of a shoot job again. If you're in the wrestling business, that's what we call it, a shoot job, <laughs> um, and figure some things out. Uh, I will be back very soon. Don't worry. Just got to take a little bit of time off, maybe a month, maybe two. Um, maybe while I'm away, who knows, I may find ways to schedule some interviews and record stuff, and maybe once... Uh, uh, I'm getting closer to start back up. You might see some pre-recorded interviews drop. So we never know. Just keep your eyes open. If you can, check out the links below for not just myself, but my guests. Uh, so you can follow us on social media. Stay up with everything that's going on with us and uh, continue to follow uh, the 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 podcast and, and all of my guests who have been on it. I want to thank everyone who has been on the podcast and has supported people who have went and bought merchandise and all that stuff and supported me on this journey since October. Uh, but sometimes life throws some curveballs and uh, I, I try to I try to fight my way through it without going uh, through the necessary steps. And now is the time where I got to kind of take a step away, figure things out. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. It's not it's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. But I will be back very, very soon. Um, it's too much fun doing it. I love meeting new people. But uh, I want to say thank you to my sponsor real quick for Suplex Vintage Wrestling out of Philadelphia. So, guys, it has finally happened. And a, full, a, a whole store fully dedicated to vintage pro wrestling. They said it can never be done, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Suplex Vintage Wrestling is a store curated for wrestling fans by wrestling fans and located on 5th Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, just one block south of uh, in the, um, on South Street in the heart of Queen Village. Their shop uh, features the largest collection of vintage pro wrestling under one roof. Their selection includes classic designs featuring your favorite wrestlers from the Golden Age, Attitude Era, uh, Internationals, Indies, and more. And if you're tired of watching premium live events alone then uh, uh svw hosted best watch parties since your friend kyle's birthday party when you were 12 years old and if shirts and watch parties aren't your thing let's not forget their large selection of figures replica belts trading cards and their t-shirts and hats from rare wrestling memorabilia they have something for every wrestling fan out there so what are you waiting for check them out at suplex.svw on instagram or at suplexsvw.com uh, their online store is awesome you can order really cool stuff and let them satisfy your pro wrestling needs they also have some uh, old school title belts uh my, my guests might be interested in checking them out one time when he, if he's in the philly area they got those roh tag team champions sitting there uh and i, I my guest here was a former roh tag team champion with the uh the, the chaos crew so we'll talk more about that but this guy has been up and down the road he is he's probably my first guest that has made it to the dance you know what i mean and a lot of these independent people are chasing that dream. They want to have that moment. They want to experience that life. And and HC uh, Loke here has done essentially everything you can do in this business. The referee, tag team champions, first ever intergender match on WWE, in WWE, WWF history, um, ECW, from the ring crew to wrestling in front of live crowds. I mean, this guy has done it all. Now he has his own school, and he's training some of the top talent that you're going to see on the independent scene in the near future and right now they're just fantastic people so he's, he's done it all and and he's one of the most respected people in this business he has a great mind and it's always a pleasure to see him and i love seeing him every time at shows and him and his crew come in and they just dominate dominate shows and they always steal the night so without further ado let me bring in my guest hc fucking loke baby <laughs> hey buddy <laughs> what's going hey, on hey buddy thanks for those kind words uh, it, it, it's all 100% true, but I, I, I met you for the first time. I don't know why my phone's all of a sudden blowing up now, but uh, I met you for the first time at the sanctuary. Uh, you came in with your, 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 your team and it, it kind of became this thing for a while at sanctuary where creator pro guys were coming. Your crew was coming guys from Syracuse were coming and it was almost like a team versus team battle every week. We were yeah. kind of mix, mixing matching people from different schools. Yeah. And it was putting together some really, really fun, interesting matches. And we got the see Syrian Reign and TJ Epics and and all these people just kind of come in. And then you had some good matches in there, too, with, you know, um, Johnny Moran and a few other people. You went in and, to and tore it up. And it was just a really fun summer where that was the summer I think the Sanctuary was working triple overtime, where there was probably something going on every single weekend. And I yeah. got a lot of my reps on commentary and just got to rep after rep after rep because that was my early early beginning stages of doing it and uh what better person to, to 
to learn and and watch in the ring is it was just those amazing talented people yeah man that place was fun we always enjoyed coming down there it's such a beautiful building and the production is so cool and a lot of times guys don't get the get the chance to work in front of that certainly not very often on the independence and the way that's filmed and the way you do the commentary and the way Trotsky uh does all of his production it's very good um uh I'm big on trying to get my students you know obviously goal number one is to entertain a live crowd but to get them ready to see how they do things on television too and there's a good place to practice that so yeah we love Find it the camera is always fun yep yeah, and the safety, yeah, safety sure. to the roof. That ring, uh, I, I've, I don't never yeah. take bumps, but that ring they said is a dream to fall and fall on. <laughs> it is, it is. I, I mean, not to uh, blow K Fabe on it here a little bit. It's almost difficult because it's, uh, it's like, oh, that. It, it, I'm the type of guy where it's got to hurt a little bit. I got to feel it a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that is, uh, and um, but I mean that is, but in the spirit of what that place is, which is. I don't know. That's like a training camp. That's like a workout place, you know, go place to go get reps in and get better. And if you can do that and not worry about getting hurt too, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, let's, let's rewind the clock here, HC. And and let's go back to the beginning. When at your earliest memory, when did you remember just falling in love with professional wrestling, uh, watching it on TV or whatever it may be? I can remember specifically um, being, I don't know how old I might've been, maybe 10 years old. That's, that's probably pretty close. And it was winter time and my dad had us out back stacking wood and I didn't want to help. I didn't want to, you know, looking for any reason to get away from that. So I'm like, dad, I got to go to his bathroom. All right, get back, Maddie, as he still calls me. And, uh, so I, I go in and of course, instead of using the bathroom, I turn on the TV and, uh, there's Adrian Adonis, not flower shop Adrian Adonis, NYC, badass Adrian Adonis. And I'd never seen wrestling before, but I saw a ring. So I thought, is this boxing? What is, what's going on? But he was a heel. So he was hollering at the crowd and hollering at the referee. And I thought, I thought I was witnessing something huge. I'm like, this guy, you know, is freaking out. He's being a jerk here on television when he's supposed to be wrestling. I had no idea. I mean, I'd never heard of it before. Never, um certainly never saw it before and had no inkling that it was a work whatsoever. Um, so I just was captivated. I'm like, Holy crap. And I went out and told my dad and I can remember him kind of giggling, but didn't say nothing or anything. Like, and, it, and it was a while after, and then I became so obsessed with it and finding it. And of course everything was like everybody else, my age, everything was Hulk Hogan around those days. And um, I can remember specifically the day being all pumped up, talking, getting excited, telling my parents about, this big match coming up or whatsoever going on. I don't know is, uh, can Hogan and Mr. T really beat these guys at WrestleMania or something like that. And went to my room and my dad hollers, Hey, uh, come back here. So I did. And my, and he says to my mother, he goes, tell him, I go, tell me what And I'm just a little kid. She goes, it's fake. I go, what do you mean? She goes, they know who's going to win. I go, uh-uh, how do you know? And I remember my mother sp specifically saying, uh, it was in the paper, which is bullshit, right? Yeah. But, you know, but she just, <laughs> just trying to convince me that she knew. But, but you know, that, I mean, that suspension of disbelief and getting into it. And there's, I mean, especially with today's fans, you don't really, sometimes, you know, you don't always really expect them to believe it's all 100% real but if you can create any type of doubt or suspend disbelief it's it still gets me a really good false finish or a really hot promo where it's like hmm, did, did he clear that with the other guy or not stuff like that it, it's the same formula still works all these years later and and um I didn't want to believe it wasn't real I went to my first day of wrestling school half-ass hoping I everybody's wrong I'm gonna go in there and uh, they're going to, I mean, I knew better, obviously, at some point you're like, okay, you can't really whip somebody off the ropes and expect them to come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. But it doesn't work. But they're still, right. But I was so much, um, uh, uh, I was so in love with it, you know, that, I mean, and in those days I went to wrestling school in 1994. I told you I get long winded with these answers. I love I went it. To wrestling school, I, went, I went to wrestling school in 1994 and if there was internet at all, I didn't have it. I never heard of a dirt sheet. I did nothing. You know, I didn't know any, I didn't know what, I never heard the word kayfabe, mark, shoot, work. No, I never heard any of that. Nothing. And I didn't, and I was shocked to know that people call spots in the ring. I had no idea, you know, and I mean, we can never go back to those times, but it was kind of a beautiful thing. I was the last of that generation, you know, that where 
All right. Now we're going to smarten you up, kid, because yeah. we didn't now people and I have great kids. I mean, I can't think I can't tell you the last time I had to. Well, I could tell you <laughs> the last time I had to reprimand somebody for being disrespectful, maybe fairly recently. But I, I got real good kids at my school. But, you know, they know all the lingo and know the gist of it before they even come in. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just different. Yeah. Now, did they did they teach you the like the special carny speak when you went to school, or was that already yeah. out? No, no. Um, my trainer didn't so much. Um, but I in my first year, I started hearing the veterans do it in the locker room, and sometimes they would do it in front of me and guys my age because, you know, I'm I'm a kid. You know, I don't <laughs> I'm not even all the way smartened up to the business really. You know what I mean? And it was, I mean, I'm not gonna say it was better. I mean, it's so great now. But yeah. I mean, that was a special time when it was really, when you really counted on whether all those people in the stands thought it was hundred percent real or not, but your money was made and your tickets were sold on never breaking that, never going to dinner with them, with your opponent, stuff like that. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, I'm not going to, you know, to each their own, I'm not going to say it was better, but, but I liked it. You know, it was, it was, it was like, you really felt like felt like you were part of something. You know what I mean? It yeah. felt like you were, you were um, really honored to, I'm in this club and you might think, you know, but you don't know. Now mm -hmm. that's still kind of the case. You know what I mean? The problem is, is that everybody thinks they do know. Yeah. I mean, they just do. You know what I mean? It's, um, you know, you go to, um, uh, I don't know, go, go anywhere. You know what I mean? Or, or somebody doesn't like something that they saw on raw and they're posting or chanting. That's bad booking. You're not even supposed to know what the word booking means. I mean, I know that we can't, you yeah. know, you can't unring the bell. You know what I mean? But it's it's so much different than it was back in back in those days. I, I feel I think the people who are doing it the best right now is probably AEW. Because WWE is so at the point where they're just like, we don't care if you believe it's real or not. We're it for yeah. us, it's a it's a production. This is yeah. this is we don't we don't care. Um yeah. and sometimes we'll peek out the curtain and say something that we know that you know and and, and only us the smart fans will get it. But AEW, mm -hmm. like like the punk stuff, like people are still like, oh, I think it's this or I think it's that, and they're probably yeah. sitting backstage going, We're back. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. MJF yeah. is doing beautifully at that, where it's like MJF Great people work, still right. think he's going to quit the company in two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, they're yeah. doing a great job with that. But yeah, I, I think the beautiful part about this business now is at least for me, when I'm trying to get someone new who's into the business or trying to get someone who's never watched wrestling or only knows wrestling as the fake sport, you know what I mean? I'm like, well, right there is then just don't think that you're watching a sport. If you treat yeah. it like a sport, you're going to expect a sport and you're not going to enjoy it go like you're going to a theater it's 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 action theater you're going to see and i hate and i, I love the term from the sanctuary but you're going to see stunt fighting go yeah. in as if you're going to watch a heel versus a, a good guy versus a bad guy you're going to watch avengers in a ring and if you buy into the storylines if you buy into the characters and what you're supposed to do with those characters and eliminate the idea that it's a legitimized sport you will have a better time and because you buy in because you, when you go see phantom of the opera you know that's not a real monster under that mask. It's all theater, but you buy into it and you suck yourself into the drama of it and you have a good time. I think if more people see now professional wrestling in that sense, I think they buy into it more and they have a better time instead of always trying to figure out the magic trick, if that makes sense. It does. There's a um, little asterisk I'll put next to that um, with the way some people work these days and I'm not going to fall for burying anybody on TV that's on television right now. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and yeah, but, uh, but, um, there are certain people out there that work more, um, and it's all entertainment, but they work more mm -hmm. where you can tell, boy, we hope you enjoy my performance as opposed to I'm trying to win this goddamn match. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's, what's entertaining to me. The Phantom of the Opera, great analogy. Okay. Um, and we know that that's not really, a uh, monster under that mask but at no point in that play at no point does he lift up that mask and say hey you know this is all fake right and then put it back down and go back to doing his thing Absolutely. and i hear i hate wrestlers that do that yeah. in not so many words and i'm not saying that they uh, that they don't admit it so I, I hate people that admit it's a work i'm talking to you right now i'm not saying that i'm saying when they do stuff although i do admit there's a market for it and that's a beautiful thing about the business right now for my taste 
I like my matches to look competitive. I like it to be uh, the entertainment comes to me. Jerry Jarrett had a sign on his office wall that said personal issues draw money. And I have a picture of that picture and it hangs in my school. And um, and I believe that that's where that comes from. Um, a speech I give all the time to my students and every seminar I ever give is I compare um, certain kind of wrestling to fireworks. The Fourth of July is coming up. Timely topic. On the Fourth of July, you go see the fireworks and they're awesome. I mean, it's it's so cool. How I can't imagine how they do that. How they built those things and you're ooh ah and that's awesome. But if they do that every Wednesday or every Monday night, you know, before, yeah, that was cool. But you know, I don't got to see it. I saw that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so if so if certain kind of matches are just about. I got to do all this cool stuff and it is really cool and I can't do it, but I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to go for a cover. I'm not, that's, I don't think that there's any jeopardy of the match being over because I just, whatever the case may be, like literally you'll see this sometimes did a 450 splash to the outside through a table, literally less than 20 seconds later, both guys are back up running spots in the ring takes me right out of it. I, I don't be, I don't begrudge anybody for loving every second of that. For loving every second of it. And there's room for both. The cool thing about it is, is that um, about wrestling these days is that there really can be something for everybody. You know what I mean? You can have Brian Danielson versus Okada in a worked UFC fight, basically, you know, with some pro wrestling high spots in it Mm -hmm. on the same card that um, Orange Cassidy sticks his hands in his pocket and fake kicks people in the shin and people lose their mind for both. That's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's 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 the Muppet Show. It's the Muppet Show and ropes. Right there, you go. Yeah, (laughs) and then and then a guy, a spooky guy, comes out, and you get the range of emotion. That's why I love doing commentary. But at the end of a commentary show, I'm mentally exhausted because I have to, like, as the narrator, you have to put yourself in the emotions of your highs and your lows and your fear and your not fear and your laughing and your not laughing. And it's 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 a it's a gamma of of feelings. And because if you play it straight the whole way through it's not fun for the people watching at home, you know? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful industry. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. It still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. When did you transition from a fan uh, growing up watching and everything to going into school? And how did you find your school at that point in time? Obviously nowadays people can just go on and Google machine it up and say sure. wrestling schools near me. And there's a yeah. lot of wrestling schools, but at some point yeah. in time, there was only a handful. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have any idea how people got into it or anything like that. There was an ad in one of the after mags, probably uh, PWI. Um, I love, I love for, Yeah, me too. For Wonderful Willie. Um, uh, for Al Snow School, Body Slammers Gym out in Lima, Ohio. And I called. I had to get up the nerve. I was always so shy. So, I mean, I could we could tell a million stories of that. Um, like, have to get up the nerve to call out there. Dial all the numbers but one and think about it think about it okay hit that last number (laughs) and now i'm gonna talk to somebody you know like have to get up the nerve to do it and talk to whoever it was and they mailed me information and um and i'd really wanted to do it but i kind of chickened out you know i was like for everybody and this will sound crappy you know but literally everybody every family member every friend you gotta remember this is 1994 maybe i started looking for schools in 93 and um if Ray Mysterio had even, I don't even think Ray Mysterio had been on ECW TV. And if he was, I hadn't seen him. Not that I, I mean, I'm a little taller than Ray, but there wasn't anybody my size. And if so, it just didn't, it was either shot that way in a certain way, or it wasn't talked about, or everybody had and uh, worked heights and weights anyway. And um, I was constantly told I couldn't do it because of my size. And I'd never lived away from home. And here I am going out to do this thing that, everybody I know tells me is an impossibility for me anyway. And I'm kind of chickening out and I'm like, ah, I don't know. We'll see if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And, um, as corny as this sounds and it's super corny. Um, I can remember being home on a Sunday afternoon and, um, not to get all philosophical or religious on you. And it's, it's, I am a big believer that it's nobody's business what anybody believes in. I don't, I don't, you know, but I don't know if you want to call it fate or God or whatever. A Sunday afternoon, uh, watching television and that old movie body, uh, body slam. 
came on. I don't know if you ever saw that. It's mm-hmm. way before your time, but it was awesome. And I'm, um, and I'm like, is this my sign? I don't know. And it was so awesome. And then I got done and I switched channels. And immediately after that, I switched the channels and remember the old show night court that mm-hmm. was on. And in that episode, Bull, the bailiff, he was a pro wrestler in there. And I'm literally telling myself, like, holy shit, what's going And And then the next night, swear to God on all six of my children and two grand- grandchildren, that um, the next night on my local news, a guy named Robert Bailey came on saying he started Cruncher's Gym Pro Wrestling School 25 minutes away from my house in Elmira, New York. And I drove down there, and I was his first student and. You know, it's been, it's aside from those kids and grandkids and a wife or two, it's been my entire life ever since then. Yeah. I mean, you, you have, I I said in the intro, man, you have done probably everything you can possibly do in this industry from ring crew to training to now training yourself, refereeing on TV, then being a worker on TV, holding championships all over the place. Uh, when, when, when you, when you first start off and you're going through that training and obviously you're starting to learn you talked a little bit about how the was backstage and, and it's much different than it is backstage in a locker room than it is now. I think everything backstage then I don't know if I, if I would have personally been able to handle it um, yeah. the old school way of things. Uh, but it's, it's, it is a it's, much, much different world. And you kind of, like you said, you're that last generation of, of blending in the old school with the new school. And, and you're a good representation of what wrestling should yeah. be. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's, but w- when you got your first set of matches, how was it finally getting your training done and going through everything and then being told, hey, hey suit up, you're going in for your first, your first perform, your first match? Oh man, it was great. I'd spent about 18 months, which is just crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just how things lined up. But my first 18 months in the business about. Oh, we might have lost. And I do. Oh, there he goes. And then maybe a tag team once in a while. But it was, um, I, I, my first match was January 15th, 1995. And I didn't have a singles match until August 6th, 1996. So, but, you know, I'm hauling the ring and doing security and doing all the things, paying your dues every weekend or as often as there was an independent show. Independent wrestling wasn't so big back then, so it probably wasn't every weekend, but I was still training every day. Um, So, I mean, it was great. But, you know, you think back on it now, I didn't know anything, but I was I was excelling at wrestling school. Um so much so that the carney guy as much as i love him who owned the place would after you know not too long he would only pay that the trainer came from pittsburgh to elmira every week because there's no pro wrestlers around you know to teach us and he would start bringing them in only every other week so and then have me show the rest of the class stuff that i'd learned and i didn't know anything you know what I mean? I was just excelling in the class, you know, which is weird because I was never an athlete in high school or anything like that. I just happened to have an aptitude for it. But um, but you asked how it was what it was like to finally transition and to do it. I was nervous as could be. And um, but my first singles match, believe it or not, was uh, with Steve Carino. And we were two young green kids, didn't know nothing. I watched it. Uh, you know, I've I lived for 20 years thinking that. Ah, we were about the same there. He helped me through that, but you know, we were just kids. And then I, somebody found that thing and posted it on YouTube and I watched it. And I'm like, I didn't know anything. And he was as green as he, he was maybe a year in the business at that point. Uh, um, or a year, year more than me or something like that, you know? And, uh, but he was working every weekend and he helped me so much, you know, and he would, you know, that's, that was a running theme. He would years later as well, but yeah, but it was all, if you're listening Write down that name, Carino, because I think there's a, another young guy coming up with that last name you're going to be seeing pretty soon. Oh, yes. Yes. I love him. Yep. Um, some rumors I'm hearing. Maybe you'll be seeing him on a on a, on a three-letter moniker TV show pretty soon. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, yeah I heard. I heard, actually, I heard, I heard a very be... good tryout. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, from what I know, there might be a little stall in that action, but I think it's going to end up that way for sure good yeah i sure i sure hope so because that kid kills it what another oh, another awesome. sanctuary kid another sanctuary yeah, kid. I, yeah he's awesome <laughs> yeah uh so in uh was it 99 99 when you when this uh when this happened right no 90 
Yeah, 90, 99, 98. What are you talking about? The uh, Luna match? Yes. You, you, you yeah, yeah, that was not. Before I went to ECW, actually. I'm not yeah, sure so how long. But... How did that How did that come together? Were you, were you brought in as, as extra talent? or? Yeah, I just brought in as an extra. And, um, and I hounded Howard Finkel all the time. Again, sitting at my telephone, getting up the nerve to call him. Hi, Mr. Finkel. My name is Matt Knowles. I'm a professional wrestler from... Uh, I'd like to come in, be extra talent. And um, mailing him stuff all the time. And he was booking the extras at those times. And... And uh, I remember the day coming home to my parents' house, and there was a message from that famous voice on the answer machine saying, I think we can put you to work. So they did. And um, again, I was small. You know, I mean, there's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I say 5'8, but I might be lying. 5'7, five, 5'8, five, somewhere in there, you know? It's all um, the boots. Yeah. It's, it even says 5'8 on my driver's license. So hell with it. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I got there and, and I was so scared, you know, they said, uh, put your bags down and go to catering. And thank God when I walked into the catering, cause there's every star in the world and you're supposed to say hello to everybody. But I was so shy that I didn't want to and scared that I didn't want to, you know, uh, luckily some, some folks came and said hi to me just, but, um, some of the extra talent there I knew from, from the independents. So I sat at their table and, uh, um, so, uh, Tony Gurria comes along and says, uh, Says, uh, I don't think we have a match for you, but get dressed anyway. All right. Yes, sir. So I did, and I'm just watching the monitor. And Raw had already started, as I recall. Or maybe maybe there was a taped Raw first. I think that might have been it. I think that might have been the case. Something like that. But there was matches in the ring. Maybe dark matches. Doesn't matter. And I could see through the crowd of people backstage around the monitor. Here comes Tony Gurria looking at me and smiling. And uh, I thought, oh, and he says, you're going to work with Luna. I said, huh? Okay. And uh, so, of course, you say, yes, sir. So, uh, Goldust is going to beat you up a little bit beforehand and and, um, and do your thing, you know. And um, and uh, they, you know, they literally tell you, oh, we weren't out there very long. Literally told you every move to make. And, and I did quite well at that, I guess. But she was, the uh, funny thing about that is, if you ever watch that clip, she uh, hits me with a headbutt. And as Jim Ross called it, dangerously low which worked out great, but that was supposed to be a splash. She was, she told me to go to a certain spot and she couldn't make it to me. So it ended up being a headbutt uh, to the nut meat. And um, which, I mean, it's a woman fighting a man. So I thought that was better anyway, you know, so yeah. worked out really good. And we got to the back and she goes, how's your pee pee? I go, good, ma'am. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It was very nerve wracking. Then I sat there just, in the dressing room, you know, and everybody's Mick Foley's there and he was awesome. Always was, but you know, I think yeah, I, I shared him. a bench. With, yeah. I think I That's shared a bench with some Shamrock and those guys. Yeah. 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 He's great. Yeah, I love uh, Mick. He's my favorite is Sean. And my number two is Mick. Yeah. Yeah. So then Dustin would be just came by me a couple times. You all right? You sure you're all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I just, and it's te- probably a terrible thing to say, but I, you know, because you don't, you, you, know, you certainly don't want to act cocky, but you want to, you want to be not in the least, but you want to be a professional too. And I just, yes, sir. I just, I can't believe I just got the opportunity to do that. Thank you, sir. You know, so, um, which is funny because I met him years later and I get her was around him years later and I said, Hey, do you remember the night Luna worked with a man and he's had a trillion matches, but how are you going to forget that? Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy there in a purple singlet. Goes, yeah. I go, that was me. And he goes, Oh man. You know, but, uh, when did it say that, that you you created history? Like you were yeah. the first intergender match on Raw. Yeah, now it's pretty popular, so it's kind of a you know, so it's kind of a cool little little thing to for my resume, you know, a little cool little thing. Um, it's funny though. Again, the, the back to the business being different. There was an old job guy named AJ Petruzzi from Allentown, Pennsylvania. He was uh, he was always on WWE TV and um, WWF at the time and. And I'd worked with him on Independence a lot. And he was a Super Destroyers and ECW when they were Eastern Championship Wrestling and all that stuff. And that was a taped Raw I did that, that I was on. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but it was taped. So um, the next week I watch it at home at my parents' house. And as soon as that match ends, my phone rings. And it's AJ Petruzzi. 
bitching at me, coming up one side and down the other side. You should have told him you were sick. You should have said no. You shouldn't have that. They'll, they'll use you, but you'll never get anything in. You'll never get any out because I lost to a woman. And, um, you know, well, no offense to anybody. I, 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 I get that mentality to some degree, especially back then. But, you know, I'm a kid and she's a killer. And, and Dustin beat me up beforehand. And I have no regrets, you know. And, um, and, and years later, you know, it's certainly not frowned upon at all. So um, there's Luna, certain ways. Luna's the first. That? The Luna's the first female in WWE who was put in a video game. She was the first female to like yeah. break that barrier. And and you were the catalyst. Yeah, that match was the catalyst of her probably being like, "All right, now Luna, we're gonna put you in a cage." Like she was, she never crossed that barrier because they didn't have a women's division around her. But yeah. they always gave her that work of going out and teaming with Dust or to teaming with uh, Bam Bam or when she was a valet with Sean. Like she always had that. Don't mess with her, she'll kill you. But they had yeah. to set that bar somewhere, and that match yeah. was was a very crucial moment of that. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that that you know it's still brought up all these years later. Nineteen ninety eight. How long ago was that? So whatever, twenty five years ago. I'm a huge and, uh, fan. So, uh, so uh, you know, yeah. So I've been very lucky. I've been. Um, I'm a you know another one of my corny saying corny sayings I tell my students is we make our own luck. You have to work hard and put yourself in these positions. Mm -hmm. But it's luck nonetheless. You know, I've gotten to be in the right place at the right time or worked hard enough or impressed the right people and got to have a few cool things like that in my career. Lucky. I'm a lucky old man. Yeah. Uh, so you 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 uh, you go down to a, a seminar down in what, Florida, and you meet up with uh, another pretty big name that ends up opening the door for you to enter into what was now known as ECW. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Dory Funk Jr. Coach Funk. Um, he had been doing, he'd been doing them for WWF, you know, that, that was his gig and it was the exact same thing, but it would be, um, they would invite Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle and whoever to Stanford to work out in the warehouse. And they called that, uh, the Funkin' Dojo. And as soon as he split from them, in fact, not everybody even knew he was split from them. He, he changed the name to the Funkin' Conservatory. And I can remember specifically, um, I'd already been sticking my nose in at ECW a little bit. Um, I'd show up and help with the ring. And that's what you do, kids. Showed up and help with the ring. Um, eventually, they let me work out with the guys before doors opened, beat the crap out of me. I didn't say nothing but thank you. Come back the next day or the next week, you know. Um, but I hadn't been doing that very long. And I was uh, afforded that opportunity to go to Ocala, Florida, where I met Amy Dumas. Uh, she was there, Lita. Um, she was my she was my buddy that whole week. Um, well, more than that whole week, because we both ended up uh, in ECW right after she had started there too. Uh, but I hadn't, I'd, I'd never seen her, so maybe she didn't start. But um, we both ended up with in ECW right after that. But um, I went down there, and I. I I did well, I guess. And coach, uh, uh, was very, very complimentary, complimentary towards me. You know, I'm, uh, not putting myself over just to tell you what he said to me, but at mm -hmm. the end of the week, there were three people, my, my buddy, Dave DeJohn, who I went to wrestling school with, who wrestled as a danger for a long time. Big guy should have made a million dollars. Uh, Lita, Amy Dumas and myself after everything was done after the last night and said, coach, can we sit with you and you tell us what you honestly think and what, if we have a future. And he said, complimentary, honestly, the one he complimented the least was Amy just because her work wasn't quite there yet, but she was beautiful and she was getting it. And it's a, you know, it's a cosmetic business and she got it, you know, she her, her and Trish obviously are legends. Um, so, but at the time she was still real green. Um, not that I wasn't, but, but I was, I, I, doing think, well. I think what helped her out heavily in her early, like at least my early memories of what made her stand out is was intergender work. Cause she sure. would just come off the top rope. A guy would be able to catch her. She would do a Hunakanarana. She would do that. Off, and, yeah. And that she was, was like, oh, Rios. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I sat with coach at the end of the week and, um, he said, I think you're a great carpenter, which means you know how to build a match. I said his exact words were, I think you can draw money. For any company in the world, I think ECW is your best bet, and I'd like to help. 
I mean, I could get that those few sentences tattooed on me because that's word for word. And I've told the story a million times and it, it was an honor, you know, and he called Tommy Dreamer for me. And then the very next week, it wasn't. It was still help with the ring, still get your get beat up. But it was I want to see you have a practice match beforehand and um, before not just work. I want to see you have a practice match. So I did. He took me to a side. He said, said, very good. You bump good. You sell real good. He said, I can't offer you a job, but you're always welcome here. And who knows what will happen? And that began two months. And that was back when we were doing four shots a week. Um, two months of me going everywhere on my own dime. Uh, another lesson for the kiddos out there. And I had a wife Show and kids up. too. I'm not saying, yeah, I, I had a wife and kids too. It's not, I'm not saying it was the most responsible thing in the world, but we got by. Um, four shots a week for two months, setting up the ring and working out with Tracy Smothers or whoever, tearing down the ring. Uh, and, um, and then finally, uh, we're in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, where I met Colby Carino when he was three years old. His dad brought him to a ECW show. And he said, hi, Tommy Dima. And I tell him that every time I see him. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, uh, and now I wrestle him when I see him. It's so crazy. I'm so old. But um, Bill Alfonso came up to me and said, go find Road Quick Kill, Danny Doran, Chris Chetty, Angel DeVito, who, of course, is my partner later, and uh, maybe a couple other people, and said, and then bring them to me. And I did. I said, Fonzie wants to see you. Fonzie wants to see you. Fonzie wants to see you. And they walked over. I said, here, um, here's everybody, Fonzie. And there was another. They were sitting in a circle. He said, sit down to me. I went, oh. And he said, uh, said, this meeting is about you. And he pointed at me like that. He said, I need you to know that uh, it hasn't gone unnoticed that you show up here. And uh, that you do everything that's asked of you and more that you work hard, that you clearly want to be on this team. And I'm here to tell you that everybody sitting in this circle over the last several weeks has come to me and asked me to step up to the office and get you hired and get you on the payroll. Congratulations. Starting next week, you'll be getting a check, your full-time ECW. And everybody shook my hand and hugged me. And, dude, I could almost tear up thinking about that now. I mean, what a huge honor that was. Um, these guys became my very good friends and some of them aren't even in the business anymore. But at the time I greatly looked up to them. They were on television every week. They were on every show. And I just wanted to be one of them, you know, um, I apologize. My father keeps trying to call. So if, uh, if, if, if there was anything with my audio right there, I was hanging up. Uh, um, at any rate, uh, 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 so that started that run. Um, that's, that's how I got in there. Just showed up. And that's all you can. That's why I teach my students to do. That's what you do. You show up, you work, you, you do what you can do. And you talk about paying your dues. That's a huge thing that's in our business. Um, I hope that it's said and taught uh, by everybody like it, like I teach now. But in those days, in ECW especially, pay your dues, kid. Pay your dues. Pay your dues. And you talk about doing that. I would leave my house drive whatever it was depending on traffic three four five hours to exit 53 on the long island expressway pick up the ecw ring truck hop in that thing and drive it wherever we were could be philadelphia could be orlando that thing had a governor on it so it wouldn't go more than 40 miles an hour that wasn't a rib by ecw it was that's how they bought it when they bought it used and they didn't spend any money to to fix it because it's only a ring crew and Pay your dues, kid, right? So you had to leave earlier. If you're driving, think about that. If you can only go 40 miles an hour and you're driving from New York to Orlando, how much earlier do you have to leave your family to be there on time, right? So I would do that. Drive the ring truck, get there, set up the ring. Uh, I would be in charge, me and the ring crew would be in charge of going to buy tables that day because, of course, ECW break tables every day. Staples, Home Depot, or not Home Depot, Staples, Staples, Office Max, and Office Depot. Look for them in every city. Um, what was, no what internet. Was a what was a tables and chairs and garbage can bill for each city of an ECW show? I don't really know, but I can tell you that those banquet tables are called eight-foot banquet tables. I remember paying between 28 and $32 for them. 
they're 150 bucks now, which is why you see everybody going through, do- doors. through doors and not tables. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, so I don't know what happened to that market, but, uh, at any rate, um, so go buy tables uh, or whatever we needed. Um, sometimes guitars, you know, whatever we're told to get, um, have to have to, doesn't matter if you're done doing your other job, have to be in the ring at five o'clock with Tracy Smothers to stretch out and work out. Have to do that. Me personally, I would then, uh, and this was Tommy Dreamer doing me a favor because I had a family and it's another payday for me. I would then go sell t-shirts to the fans walking in, head to the back, get on my referee gear. I would wrestle referee ring announce from backstage. If we didn't have a ring announcer on that loop, tear down the ring, go out, sell t-shirts to the fans on the way out, get in the ring truck. And we had to go to, or were at least encouraged to go to the next town that night because we had to be there first before anybody else the next day. And I was low man, as we said on, on ring crew. So who do you think I had to drive? Who do you think I had to sleep on the floor? All that stuff. Um, so when people talk about, and, and I'm so much, I'm a, I'm a much kinder trainer. I'm a much kinder veteran than I might've been years ago. I don't think I was ever mean to anybody. It was very much more drill sergeant like, but if somebody says, Oh man, I, I had to drive three hours for there and all the way to that show. And you know, I only got 50 bucks or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Do you want to yeah. be a wrestler or not? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I, I remember the first time I got paid for commentary. I was like, this is, yeah, I get paid for, this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing. I, I would just go in and just being happy. I was part of the environment knowing I was paying my dues. I think the first couple of times I got paid, uh, I, I gave my pay to a talent. Like I, I so at my, my thing is like, I felt like I had imposter syndrome for a long time, so I didn't feel like I belonged, but I remember yeah. the first time me and my buddy got paid, uh, there was a wrestler. She, she, she just got off a really bad injury and she missed a lot of her bookings and I got 20 bucks and my buddy got 20 bucks just for commentating and help production. And we both took our 20 bucks together and that could have been gas on the way home. And we both gave it to that talent because she missed yeah. six months That's of awesome. bookings. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And that, that's a beautiful thing. I try to do that sometimes, especially if I know that we go to, especially for my students, but for, for anybody, but especially for my students, if we go to a show and I made a lot more than them, or maybe they didn't even get paid or something like that, you know, you try to help, you know? Yeah. Um, so Bubba Ray Dudley would do that for the ring crew. Sometimes he'd come over and pay for our meal because, you know, and, uh, and that was always appreciated. And you always remember those things. You always remember Jerry Lynn, Every single night coming out and thanking the ring crew before he left. You say goodbye to everybody at the end of the night, right? That's the business. But he and he alone, not that anybody else was a jerk. Uh, some people were, but not uh, that they necessarily were. But he made it a point to come thank the ring crew every night. Next time we're on a show together, I uh, check out what me and my boys do. We always thank the ring crew. Always. Because how mm-hmm. are you going to do this without a ring? You know? Um and it just makes life so much easier, you know, if you're, if you feel appreciated, if you can, if you can be generous when you can be to other people and maybe when you need it, they'll be generous with you. And it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's still a special thing. We talked earlier about it being, I can't, we might've even talked about this off air, but about feeling like you're in a special club, being in a pro wrestler. And that's part of it. You know, that's part of it being taking care of each other, being generous with each other, you know, um, uh, looking out for the boys, you know, and by the boys, I mean, these badass women that are we're wrestling with us now too, but they're the boys, you know? And, um, so, you know, beautiful thing, man. I still feel so lucky to do it, you know? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, while I'm being all philosophical, every seminar I ever teach, every student that's ever walked through my doors, I, another thing I always mention is, uh, if there's one thing that professional wrestlers can do better than anybody else on the planet, it's bitch about stuff. They can say, oh, man, my payoff was the shits. That ring sucked. My match was so terrible. There's no way I should have lost to that guy. They, they they bitched each other in the car on the way home. And I get it. As long as you're, as long as you're in the car and nobody's around, you know, you don't talk yeah. like that. <laughs> but, you know, you're venting in the car on the way home. But I ask everybody that I ever speak to and ask to any wrestlers or aspiring wrestlers that are listening to this, that if when you're saying god dang it i should have made more money or oh my match stunk 
if you just take a second to think, man, all I ever wanted to do was be a pro wrestler. And I just did it. Not very many people can say that. There's, I mean, there's a tons of pro pro wrestlers. I don't know how many there are, but even if there were a million, I don't think there are, there's 8 billion people on the planet. There's not very much of us, you know? And, uh, if you can just once in a while, remember, man, the thing I've loved most in my life, I just got to do on be it in front of 13 people in a shitty ring in a, in a, in a cornfield, which we've all done, or God willing, in a, in some nice arena with several hundred, several thousand, whatever people there, you know, it's all I ever wanted to do. And I just got to do it. Yeah, man. I hope next time I make more money in my match is a little better, but I'm blessed. I'm lucky. Yeah. Hey, look at if you honestly, one of the things I used to do as well is I walk into an arena and I would I would look at 15 people who showed up at the show just for that opportunity and they didn't get a match and you did or they want they, they would have loved to be on commentary or being a ring announcer or been getting some type of right and any type of nut at, at the show that day and they didn't and you did you know what I mean so you kind of yeah and you and you drove four hours and that guy lived down the block you know what I mean you just yeah. gotta that's that's a that's a thing to look at for too and be and be thankful for for sure for sure and if you can also try to not get so frustrated when you don't get something because Mm -hmm. maybe next time you will you know there's only so many spots so there's been times where i went to shows got nothing but i made three new connections and three new friends and then i went to a show that was another four hours away and they were my friend backstage because we made that connection at a show before exactly exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, so, so transitioning from ecw you go to the next company that is revert revered and regarded as a, a very bright spot in professional wrestling history of roh now you yeah. said your style of wrestling is when it looks like a shoot fight like when it when you when you watch it and you believe it's real roh yeah. that was its bread and butter 100 percent. and i wasn't as good and still i'm not now as some of those people like a brian danielson as far as like almost doing a work mma thing yeah i love that um, when I say I like it looking like a shoot, I mean, like, I like working matches with the intent to win, not the end, you know, that's, that's what I find entertaining, you know, yes. not, you know, you'll never see me, um, not that, and part of the reason is because I can't do it, let's be clear, but you'd never see me, you know, whatever, do a double backflip and land on my feet and have something, you know, be very impressive looking, but in no way would is it does it help me win the match and throw my arms up and ask for applause, you know, type of thing, you know, maybe if I'm a cocky heel, but I'm saying by and large, you know what I mean? I'm trying to win. I'm going for a cover. It's a big move. Go for a cover. So yeah, that's all ring of honor. I just watched, I just watched a whole documentary. Well, the dark side of junkyard dog. Junkyard yeah, dog couldn't, he, he, he knew six, seven things and he did those 100%. six, seven things very, very well. And he made a career it's of a, six or seven things. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about making a connection with the people, you know, but yeah. at the same thing, same time. And even though you might not look at all, all those six or seven things, I think they're all real. It wasn't, he also wasn't winking at the camera, you know what I mean? Yeah. And saying, Oh, this is all baloney. You know, he's yeah. cutting promos like his, life depended on it you know what i mean mm-hmm. he needs to win this match um so yeah ring of honor um the guys from our video gabe Polsky, rob feinstein doug gentry they started that god bless doug he's passed away now um did several years ago um i i uh had reached out to them when i saw they were going to start something and i knew them from ecw because they were on the road full-time with ecw and i sent them a tape and all those things and um said yeah come on in so, um, how that actually worked out, uh, you know, another one of those lucky happenstance things for me, um, they wanted to, I was going to be in a tag team, obviously. And that ended up being Tony DeVito. There was another guy. Nobody knows this. Almost nobody knows this. There was another guy the first time, but that shit the bed. And I love the guy and I don't want to bury him. I'm not even going to say his name now, but just for that reason. But I started with a different partner and that murphy recreation center packed full of rowdy philadelphia fans and he couldn't hang you know so he wasn't invited back and i was told to pick a new tag team partner i said tony devito and the carnage crew was born you know that's how that happened that was but the very first show they wanted to they knew they were the successor to ecw maybe maybe that's a good way to put it yeah and in ecw i was i was the wrestling referee the extreme official i'd wrestle in a referee outfit so i refereed the first match ring of honor history so I get to have that distinction of being the very first in-ring talent to ever walk through a curtain for Ring of Honor, you know, and then that, 
you know, long story short, there's a lot of cool matches, a lot of cool times um, that evolved in the Carnage Crew with myself and Tony DeVito. We still team now, um, and we got to be World Tag Team Champions, and, and you know, we were in there with the Briscoes and the SATs in the back seats, and, and it, it was great times, man. Very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. And some of them names you just said still on the scene right now. <laughs> I got to wrestle backseats tomorrow. Not Trent, God bless him, but you know, yeah. uh, Johnny and the new backseats are coming in to, to my show tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah. That, the 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 new backseats are very very impressive. Them, I seen them work at well, the wind show that we were at together. They they uh, well, they actually I think they beat you up a little bit that show. I, oh yeah, yeah that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think they beat you up a little yeah. bit. But. That was, I but mean, I think I was, the, the new, those new kids are talented, but I think, I think your crew, I think your crew, you can roll up there with, you got some young, good guys too. Yeah. We're going to do a six man on Saturday of Johnny Cashmere and the new backseats versus me and CXR, TJ Epix and Chael Connor. So yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. So pretty excited about that one. That's uh, what, where, what promotion would that be at? That's Excite Wrestling. That's my, my school is, is, uh, affiliated with Excite Wrestling right now. My school is called the Fighting Arts Pro Wrestling Institute, located in Horseheads, New York, inside the Arnott Mall, actually. It's a really cool location. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Yep. And um, we, we run a um, uh, Excite Wrestling show there every month. That's tomorrow. And then Excite Wrestling has, a, a, er, has had a building in Binghamton, in the Binghamton Mall as well. Yep. So we'd always run two. And actually, though, that mall has been sold and this Saturday is our last show at the one in Binghamton, so that's going to be a special night really? for us. Yeah, we're going to get another building up there. We just don't have one yet. But in the meantime, we're just going to run my building in my school um, once a month. And we have spot shows coming up. We have um, Speedy Fest, it's called, in Binghamton, New York. If you ever had Chicken Speedy, stuff like that was that was invented in New York, and they have a, or in Binghamton, New York. And they, had, um, they have a uh, three-day festival, like Big Fair, for it every year. And they spend a bunch of money, and they bring in concerts and – we're going to wrestle there three days in a row. We got Kurt Angle coming in, Matt Cardona coming in, you know. So it's one of those cool festival type shows where you can spend a little bit of money on talent, you know. So it'll be fun. I was at a I was at a con. Uh, it was a con slash wrestling show uh, in Binghamton. Binghamton uh, Team JD threw it. It was like maybe yeah, two that's years right. Ago I saw you. That was a yeah. cool show. That's a that's a really nice venue. That gym is beautiful. Yeah, that was a nice, nice place. Yeah, I felt bad mm-hmm. for me at making money that day, but yeah, it was a nice show. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. It was a big. It was a big venture for a first time show. He he put a lot of work into yeah. it, but a lot of big names there. A lot of cool matches happened that night. A lot of people that were on TV. A lot of ECW legends were there. It was a. It was a really fun time. But that was like right yeah. down the street from the mall. That wasn't too far away. Not at all. No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Excite Wrestling co-promoted that. Um, yeah. But um, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, as we saw, it didn't didn't do all that well crowd wise, but you know, it's easy for me to say, cause you know, you and me didn't spend our money on it, but it's one of those, well, at least it was a fun day, you know, type yeah. of thing. So the whole time I was yeah. like, I'm having a blast, but I kept looking over it. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Tears in his eyes every now and then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That was a rough one, but I got to, I got to call a, uh, Tommy dreamer versus, dreamer. uh, who, who did dreamer wrestle that night? It was supposed to be Dreamer Incredible, but Credible, uh, he 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 didn't perform. He was just ringside. I forget who it was now. Yeah, that was my match. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah you and you versus yeah. Dreamer. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm, they I'm, wanted I'm, me. We do that every time. It was a triple I don't threat. Know. Right? It was supposed to be a triple threat. Well, I don't know what P, we call him PJ, Justin Incredible. I don't know what he was supposed to do, but he was going to come out. But they wanted it to be me versus Dreamer. I don't know if Dreamer doesn't ever want to wrestle me or what, but every single time I'm booked to wrestle him, it's because we're both baby faces, um, depending on the city. And you spit you know, on uh, people and you grab people by the junk. I wouldn't want to wrestle you, right. you either. That's Well, I learned it from him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but uh, but uh, every time I'm supposed to wrestle Tommy Dreamer, says, you know what? Why don't we start wrestling each other and we'll have a couple of heels come out and then you and me will face them. Uh, we've probably done that half a dozen times. Right. You know, I've still and never your voice it. came out. Serenade. Yeah. Uh, a Kendall stick. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was awesome. And then uh, I got to see Arn that day. That was really fun. The Arn was great. Yeah. Arn you, was great. You know who really impressed me that show? And I, I think she needs more time on TV. Julia Hart did a really oh, good job. Yeah. She, yeah, she did well. nearly enough TV time. I, I was really impressed with her ring work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of a, 
you know, they're making money and God bless them. And Tony Khan can spend his money any way he wants to. But some of those folks who are so green, I mean, just so, but have all the potential in the world. If they're super lucky, they wrestle once a week and most of them don't, you know what I mean? So, I mean, and, and then you have to weigh that out. Is it really smart for a contracted talent that's getting paid all this money to be allowed to go work independent shows where they could have a shitty ring and get hurt. But then again, if they don't, how are they ever going to get any better? Cause yeah. it's not having a six minute TV match or even a 10 minute TV match where you're out there, obviously learning on the job and you can see potential, but you can't, you can't get great that way. You can get yeah. a little better here and there, but it's, uh, I mean, like for instance, uh, terrible i'm not gonna think of her name right now i probably shouldn't even tell this story but who's the big beautiful lady that had that there the tbs champion for a long time jade cargill and i think they made a big deal out of it and i'm not gonna get the number exactly right that she had went like 90 and oh yeah 56 and oh okay that's even yeah. proves my point more 56 and oh took her like three years to do that or two or three i mean if you're uh doing that i mean it's one thing if you're just an independent wrestler and it's kind of a, you're just coming up and it's kind of a hobby or something like that. But if you're doing this full time and you know, she's not out working Indies and you only get to do it in front of people. And that's where you learn is in front of people. We learn it in the school. We get it. So it starts to click in front of people. Cause you're out there saying, Oh, I, if I wait a little bit longer before I do that, I'll get this reaction. You know what I mean? So you have to do yeah. it in front of people. And in two or three years to only get to do it 56 times, for a contracted television talent, that's an uphill battle, and she did great. I'm not not a knock against her, but um, but it's she, it's not really easy to, to get too. better that way. Yeah, yeah, she was. You know what she was doing backstage that I, a lot of people weren't aware of. She when, when she wasn't in the ring in front of a crowd, Daniel Bryan and William Regal would pull her aside and, yeah. and teach her stuff. Yeah, yeah. and that's I, I, invaluable. I, I, I love Chris Statlander, but I hate the way they transitioned that title off of Jade to her. Like yeah. after she already wrestled a match, I was like so bummed. For yeah, her. and they changed Chris Statlander's whole gimmick and made her like she was different and she was special. And now they just made her like every other female on the roster, like a glam yeah. pretty girl. And I was like, that's not Chris. Like, like <laughs> I want the boop. I want the alien. Who cares what people <laughs> say on the internet? That's who you are. I love that about yeah. you. But yeah, yeah, that's that's really that's a lot. You know you, how you say that too is like. One of the things I learned a lot just from talking independent talent is that that click moment, aha moment is when you're going to school and you're training and you're training and then you start doing that road work and then you're on your own and you're not with your buddies and you're traveling. And then that moment clicks where you're just like, oh, my God, it came together. And it, it's usually that five minute conversation, 10 minute conversation to put your match together. And then you go in and perform it and you're like, oh, it, everything yeah. that I was being taught just came together. But yeah. Hey, buddy. This is going to sound so lame, but remember me telling you that my dad was trying to call and I had to keep hanging up on him. Yeah. He just drove. Hold on a second. I got to talk to him for just I, this. So everybody watching, I'm so I sorry. That's all right. Hold on just a second. Hey, pop. I hung up on you a couple of times. I'm on a live interview right now on online. So yeah, and they can hear me talking to you right now. It's going out live on the internet. So uh, <laughs> I'll call you as soon as I'm done. It's only going to be, we're going to be done in two minutes. Okay. Yeah, two minutes. Yep. That's all right. We're going to be done in two minutes, and I'll call you. Or you can stay here if you want, and I'll talk to you in two minutes. Literally, I'm going to be done. Okay? Stay here if you want. Okay. All right, buddy. I'm back. I, I That's love my it. best friend. That's it. my pop. He's tattooed yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah, he's, uh, he's 88 years old, so yeah. so I spend most of my days taking care of him, but he still worries about me. I'm almost Absolutely. 50, and I'm like, yeah, I'm still a little boy, though. In closing, uh, HC, look, where can people find you? Where can people support you? And 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 how can they find your school if they want to come train? Oh, uh, best thing you can do is if you just search me on Facebook. If it, my shoot name is Matt Knowles, I don't know if you know this, but my mother didn't name me HC Loke. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but if you if you search HC Loke, it will come up. Or find me on Twitter at Twitter HC Loke One, and I can direct you to all that stuff. But it's called Fighting Arts Pro Wrestling Institute. That's on Facebook as well. Um, and of course, excitewrestling.com. That's who I'm, I'm still an independent wrestler, but that's where I'm most, most closely affiliated, affiliated with. And I co-promote the shows and things of that nature. And again, I really think that, that, uh, that we offer a, a curriculum at my school that can really get you ready to do this for whatever level you want. If it's a hobby, as long as you take it seriously and you work hard, you're welcome. 
if you think that this is something that you might want to do for a career, I strongly believe that that I have the knowledge and the experience where I can help try to get you there. So please, everybody who's interested, get a hold of me and um, and we'll get to work. And I'll tell you right now, his group of people that you will be traveling with learning from, not just from him, but his students are, I'm, I'm not bullshitting, you know, some of the most talented group of people I've ever seen in my life. They're, if you think he's the way he conducts himself and it just really, really personable and just his whole team is the same way, hit up that school if you're in the New York area or if you're willing to make the drive and do that sacrifice. I think the biggest thing you pull out of this is just if you want something bad enough, you got to work for it. You're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to not make some money. You're going to have to not be around the people you love. But if you want to chase your dream, that's what comes with it. Uh, Matt, Absolutely. thank you so much for this. I appreciate you so goddamn much. And, uh, thank you I for having me. I can't wait till we bump each other again down the road and just keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the ABJ podcast. That's going to do it for episode 69. Here's some music by the Converse kid, Billy Trey. We'll see you next time. We're out of here.